Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Merge Nine Golf Podcast. Thank you for joining us once again. We're recording on our our new usual Tuesday night now. Um, that's Jay's preference, and Jay's not here tonight, and we still did it on Tuesday night. So, just McLean and I, alongside McLean. How are you, sir? Tired. Long day. Eight hours in the car today. How's your basketball team doing? You're you're gonna start there, yeah. I am. <laughs> you guys got a much deserved win on Roy Williams Court at the Dean Dome. That's right, right fucking there. McLean and I started a little late. We we watched the end of the Clemson North Carolina basketball game. My Clemson Tigers actually won a game in Chapel Hill, second time ever. So I got to rub it in just a little bit. You're gonna make me take a bourbon break early. <laughs> you know we don't have much to really going on in, in clemson basketball we we toyed with some success early in the year and then the acc schedule started and we realized we were football school again so no comment know, i'm gonna take shots when i can no comment so yeah jay's jay's out of town he had a little couple's trip slash golf trip now he's on a work trip so he's uh was in Scottsdale. Now he's in Dallas, I believe, or he's going to Dallas, something like that. I don't know. He, but he's he, not with missed, he missed Scottsdale that week. Yeah. Well, so he actually went to uh, the concert on 16 on Saturday night. Gotcha. So they've been starting this new thing where they've been putting on a concert. They put a stage up on the 16th hole at Scottsdale. And uh, he went and saw Post Malone in the arena there on, on 16 played a little golf and then he's got a, a work uh, function in Dallas. So he's not joining us um, this evening. So we hope he's having fun and uh, played some good golf. We'll make sure to check his scores so we can get it posted and make sure he's got an accurate handicap in 2024. That's my new good resolution for Jay. Let's make sure he's got an accurate handicap in 2024. What about plus six? He's, he's plus way more than he thinks he is. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough so let's um let's get into some some golf right well what, uh, are, you, what, what are you drinking oh yeah shit what am i drinking uh i am drinking uh redemption it was a bottle i just randomly picked up i saw it on the shelves uh a couple weeks ago it's a weeded bourbon i love weeded bourbons and i gotta say i don't really like it <laughs> i've done that you know it's just not not as good as some of the other stuff i've had uh i've had a lot of other weeded bourbons here that are much much better so fair enough you know you win some you lose some what happens yeah, yeah. fair enough what are you well, drinking i am drinking buffalo trace love it uh um last night at dinner my wife said you know hey she stopped by my new we found this new little liquor wine store and uh said she stopped by and grabbed some wine and she said she goes, I almost got you some buffalo trace i was like what do you mean you Almost got. They had it on the shelf. He goes, yeah, they had a, a decent amount of it, and they had the big bottle too. And I'm like, Tori, we're going directly there when dinner's over. We're going directly <laughs> there, and we get there, and they had some of the higher price stuff too. But that's that's a little rich for me. Um, I'm not paying you know 150 dollars or 100 dollars a bottle for um, a fifth. Just just not my yeah, not my bag. So I, uh, I did yeah, pick tell her. Tell her to remove almost from that sentence from now on. 
yeah i was like what do you mean like i can't even understand you um, see it just buy it yeah so we went and i got a big bottle of buffalo trace um i've never had the big bottle before i never had the option to purchase the big bottle before yeah, i definitely and haven't they had it i got it i lied to her about how much it was and um <laughs> uh that's what i'm sipping on what, it, what was it now they have a alcohol tax in tennessee that's 10 10 oh wow so it's aggressive so like with tax and everything it was 98 dollars um but that's a lot what's the what's the regular bottle 35 36 39 last time i bought it okay and weller was 40 45.99 or 49.99 um that's what i got last week uh it didn't make it i held on to it like i was like barely sipping that but i drank the buffalo trace because i had a bit of buffalo trace last week and then the weller didn't make it through the weekend <laughs> Did you really just enjoy it with others? Fuck others. A real good bourbon is supposed to be enjoyed with friends and family. I don't live somewhere where I have friends and family. Uh, okay, I'm a that's new good. resident here in Tennessee. I have very few okay. people that I know outside of work because that's all I do. Um, and uh, yeah, most of my bourbon is consumed at night while my wife drinks wine and I watch sports. Then she's okay. just downstairs and watch trash TV. And every now and again, we we, we do it together, <laughs> but it's a rare occurrence. You know, it's college enough. basketball season. I'm upstairs. I've got two games going. I got a bourbon. I'm, and I got to be honest with you. I'm good with it. I'm <laughs> longing for company. It's like, look, I'm, I'm going to watch a couple of basketball games, place a couple of bets, drink a little bit of bourbon. And uh, Mike, I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah, that's like the other day. Was it, I guess it was Sunday. She had on the red carpet for the Grammys. Yep. And I was like, I can't, I can't do this. First of all, I'm so old now that I don't know who anyone is. Yep. And I was just, nah, I just, I, I can't, I can't do this. This is just awful television. Yeah. During college awful. basketball season, I'd rather sit around, and throw money at DraftKings, you know, little bets, you know, five, ten dollar bets here or there. Um, I did win big the other night with St. Mary's, which was nice. Um, but yeah, I just, I. That's what I enjoy doing late night. All right, I'm gonna put you in the spot here. Put put who, it out there. Who, who you bet in this weekend in the Super Bowl? Oof. The funny thing is, I like stories on both sides. So I'm there. Neither one of them are my team, but I really like the Brock Purdy story. I like Christian McCaffrey a lot. I also, I like, um, uh, oh God, Jesus Christ, Jason Kelsey, uh, um. A lot, Travis. not because of all the, or sorry, Travis Kelsey. I like Jason and Travis, but I just like, I've been listening to their new podcast. Those are two guys. I just feel like I could sit down and, and drink with, uh, they seem like they're fun to be around. Uh, has nothing to do with trailer Swift. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I, I like that guy. Mahomes. It's, it's bad. I want to like Mahomes so bad, but I hate his brother and his wife so much. <laughs> like literally they are LeVar balling. Uh, oh yeah patrick mahomes like that's a really good analogy well it's like i hated the ball kids before they came out and actually were doing anything in the nba only because of their father had nothing against them and now i really like Lamelo ball um plays for the hornets i i i like the kid and uh you know lavar since taking kind of a backseat we don't see as much much from him yeah, anymore finally which is nice 
But um, no, like that, that's how I felt. And I, I liked Mahomes and Kelsey. Um, I think they're both great players. I think it's going to be tough to beat the Chiefs. I really do. Um, if I had to be a betting man, I'm probably playing. I'm probably betting the Chiefs. Okay. Where are you at? I don't, I don't know which side I'm going on yet. I'm leaning Chiefs. Yeah. But I, I've I've thought that the Niners were the best team in football most of the season. So they could easily win it. This is going to be a close game. Um, I don't know what the spread is right this second. I can find it really fast. Um, so it was only it was only like two. That's what I would. That's what I would imagine it is. Uh, it's two. Yeah, you're right. Chiefs yeah, getting two. Two is almost a pointless spread in football. Yeah, pretty much. Just just, just take the, the money line at that point. Yeah. Just yeah, I agree. So I think it'll be a great game. I don't think it's going to be a blow up by any stretch of the imagination. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, but I still, still not sold on who I'm, who I'm picking yet. I could change four times between now and game time. So, yeah, it's almost one of those where <laughs> you could put a bet on both sides. <laughs> <laughs> Just hedge it a little. Just hedge it a little bit. Um, that's great. All right. All right. Before, before we get started, before we get started. Okay. All right. Yeah, any reason. Refill. Alrighty. Yeah. Early early commercial break. My feet lost. Early early bourbon break for McLean after the Tar Heel loss. Well, we we started with one during the game. So, you know, there was some time in on that first glass. <laughs> All right. So now let's let's get to a little golf. So we had uh Pebble Beach, ATT, Pebble Beach Pro Am this past weekend. And there's a little bit of a bummer because it was rain shortened. No golf Sunday. Tried to play Monday. And I mean, there was like trees down, power outages. I think they even had like a shelter in place. The county or wherever um, out there was telling everyone to shelter in place because everything was so bad. So, well, Northern California is getting smoked right now with weather. They're having floods. They're having, yeah. I saw a, a damn near tsunami wave. Um, and, and I've seen it from San Diego to Sacramento. Uh, I've seen it all the way across. So, you know, it, it definitely looked like a, a good thing they didn't play. Part of me wanted to see them play in some tough conditions. I but did they kind of had some benign conditions. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't, you know, necessarily suns out and gleaming, you know, the California weather that they're known for. But, you know, it was uh, somewhat benign. Cloud cover. Yeah. I mean, you're always kind of hoping for blue skies and birds chirping when you're watching and um the the pretty views at pebble but yeah and that golf course was was wet man uh, there was a um i think it was i can't remember which day it was but they showed scotty scheffler hitting a second shot on 18 and they did like an ultra slow-mo and the water that was coming up from his feet when the obviously his feet are moving everywhere yeah i was like holy i'm like damn he could have gotten casual water from from that spot with the amount of water that was coming up yeah no kidding so it was, uh, and you saw balls just ripping back. And I mean, half the balls that landed in the fairway plugged, it seemed like. So, yep. but Wyndham, Wyndham Clark gets the win with a course record uh, 60 on Saturday. You know, I guess you could say comes from behind. I, I was really kind of rooting for a, a fourth round because with, with him and Ludwig and 
Scheffler hanging around and JT hanging around. It was going to be a a fun little final round. But uh, what do you make a what do you make a Wyndham? Let's talk our talk our champ first, and especially his, uh, his round of sixty. Yeah, I mean, guy shot sixty with a bogey. <laughs> <laughs> with a bogey, there's not a, a damn lot. good bogey. A, a damn good bogey. Um, the two eagles on the front nine, I thought, were very impressive. Um, the guy made six pars, a bogey, uh, ten birdies, and two eagles. Pretty damn impressive golf round. You know, this is someone who we've been watching. He had a big year last year. Um, it just doesn't look like it, it. Really seems like he's found himself. It does. From what I understand, he's separated from his golf coach, and now he's basically just teaching himself. And mm-hmm. he's playing. He's just playing golf. He's not trying to do anything but score. And it's amazing what happens when you can all of a sudden start trusting your swing and you're not constantly working on something. And the only thing you're working on is how quickly you can get the ball in the hole and what what the results can follow. Um, third career win. He's now third in the FedEx Cup standings. He's sixth in the official world golf ranking. Uh, this guy has proven himself that, you know, he's he's here. Um, last year was, I think, his, his really kind of um, come out year. And now it seems like, you know, people could say whatever you want that it's a shortened event, but he shot 60 um, at a legendary uh, track. And he submitted himself as a a top player in the world currently um, with his official world golf ranking and what he did last year. I mean, I just think that he's someone that we can watch the rest of the year. Uh, It seems like he's probably going to have a pretty good year based off of what we've seen thus far. I don't. I don't see any reason why we're going to see a lot of slowdown in his game. Um, I think ultimately it's just going to, you know, kind of start to stack the cards. And now it's like, all right, does this open up some floodgates for you? Does he post another multiple win season? Uh, I mean, last year he won the Wells Fargo in the U S open two big time events on the PGA tour. Mm-hmm. I mean, big time events. The U S open obviously is what it is, but the Wells Fargo is, Always brings in a top field at Quail. Well, and it was a signature signature event last year. So he's now won two signature events in a major in less than a year. I'm I'm telling you, buddy. I I think he's uh, I think he's poised to to pour it on a little bit more. It wouldn't surprise me to see him win again this year. Yeah, well, he gets. You said he's up to the six in the world. He gets that new that new bump. He gets that new percentage bump for winning three. Well, he already got up. I guess I don't know if they retroactively. Um, applied his bump to winning twice but now there's a, a another bump if you win three times in a 52 week period so um yeah i, I kind of like what you were saying before about not having a coach and he said he was just kind of getting too too mechanical just grinding over his the, the videos of his swing and critiquing every little inch frame by frame of his swing uh, over the last you know the previous few years and he's just like i gotta get out of my own way really you know, and it's probably not the the coach's fault. I forget the name of who he was working with, but it was more of I just need to just figure this out. I'm a damn good golfer. Let's let's just get the golf ball in the hole. Who cares what it looks like? And I think there's a lot to be said for that. I think too many people, uh, you know, ah, oh, this this position, that position. Can you hit it solid? Can you hit it close to where you're looking? And can you get the ball on the hole? Like, not to oversimplify a very complicated game, but you know, well, and that's the struggle with professional golf and when i was trying one of the things that set me back and 
it, it's it's bad because it's one of those things where it's like, all right, I want to try to get better. So I'm going to get a golf coach and I'm going to try to, you know, improve what I'm doing. Um, it's a natural thought. And that's where golf is just such a finicky area where it's like, all right, I'm going to, it's one of those things where I look at it and say, all right, what I wanted and what I got were, I think two different things. And it's similar with a guy that, you know, is shooting motion in basketball. I wanted someone that was going to give me more drills and sharpen me to show me, all right, do this and do this and do this versus someone that changes the golf swing. You know, I wanted to see someone take me and say, all right, we're really going to work from 40 to 60 yards this week. This is where I think you have their biggest chance of improving. And we're going to work on this motion a little bit, you know, Hey, change the ball position, not change necessarily your swing, not change your technique, but more look at, you know, setup and fundamentals. And I think that's where, you know, you have a chance to improve as a player and with more reps in certain locations, not changing the golf swing and becoming more mechanical. I think that's what Wyndham Clark has figured out. He's been around enough that he's able to kind of pinpoint that more so than probably I would when I was trying to do it. I would feel very confident to say that. Um, <laughs> but on the backside of it, you know, even just going back to what he's done so far this season, he hadn't shot over par yet. You know, he yeah. is his highest round was the first round this week was a 72. Um, he has five or four rounds over 70 with a 72, 70 in the first round of the AMX, 71 in round two and round three at the century. Other than that, everything is a six in front of it. He's also shot 63, 64, and now 60 in three events. <laughs> and those are good numbers. You go low. You them up. Yeah. Anywhere you add them up, he's not scared to go low. Um, I just think the guys, the guys on the, on the right path right now. And with him losing the swing coach, it's funny to say this. But with him losing the swing coach, that tells me that he's confident and trying to just work on getting the ball in the hole. And I think ultimately it's going to lead him to play more naturally and open up some of those floodgates. So again, I just, I think he's poised for a good year. Yeah. It's, you know, he's, he is working with a, a short game coach, a uh, putting coach, I should say, uh, who's kind of out of the Phil Kenyon school of, of teaching. And they, he's got a similar putter that, um, it looked like he shortened it and put a different grip on it. Yeah, it's it's a different head. It's an updated head. It's shorter. It's a different grip, and he's now left hand low with it. So where before he just, we, I think we told it last year, where he was just like, you know, give me the exact putter Ricky has. It's yeah. still the same putter head, but it's it's tweaked and different. And I think he's feeling pretty comfortable with it. It seems like it. Obviously, shooting some of the scores that we've seen so far. I mean, it's tough to. It would be tough for me initially to have seen that change and be like, felt like that was a good move. There's obviously a reason that he went for it, but after winning twice and having the year he did last year, it's tough for me to be like, wow, change, change up what you've been doing on the green. Now, looking, trying to find his stats real quick. You're right. That is surprising. Yeah, it really is. But on the PGA Tour, his best stat right now is other than strokes game total and off the tee, his strokes game putting is really, really solid. Um, so far he's 29th on tour strokes game putting, I, I'm not going to, well, I can probably find it pretty quickly, but looking back, I just want to compare what it was last year. His strokes game putting very similar. It looks like, uh, he was 33rd. So he's picked up four spots. Now, mind you, we're only looking at three events, but at the same time, it seems like if this is something that makes him a little bit more comfortable and he's seeing similar results for it, I'm good with it. Oh Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, they must have, and I, I didn't quite 
you know, a lot of guys have that lull after a big win. And he did have a little bit of a lull last year after the U S open, you know, late summer going into the playoffs. And, and maybe it was attributed to his, what he thought was putting and made this change. And, um, so far so good. So do you take anything away from his 60 because it was lift clean in place because it was so soft? No, 60 is a 60. Yeah. No, I don't. And look, looking at, I just went back real quick, looking at how he finished last year, he had a lull, but I don't know that you really call it a big lull. He didn't miss a cut after the U.S. Open win. 29th at Travelers, four rounds in the 60s. 25th at the Genesis Scottish Open. 33rd at the Open. Um, his highest finish was 66 at the St. Jude. Um, coming after making the cut after shooting 76 in the second round, I think there were really tough conditions that day, if I'm not mistaken. Um which would tell me if four over made the cut, but, or I'm sorry, two over made the cut, but then a 15th at the BMW, he shot finished third at the tour championship, 19th at the hero, which was, you know, not a great tournament to really, um, look at that scoring. We 76, 71, 70, um, and 73. Yeah. Well, 19th was second to last. Yeah. So that's not really one to, to really look at, but, um, the lull, I mean, finished third at the tour championship. I mean, that's that's playing good golf um, with the top players on the PGA Tour. So, yeah, I, I won't disagree that there's a little bit. There were no top five finishes or top ten finishes other than the tour championship, but he did a lot right. At the same time, it's tough to come off of the first-time U.S. Open winner, um, and it just seems like he's he's in a good position right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know who else was also playing pretty good golf? Ludwig. You reckon? And I'm done trying to say his last name because I have now heard three pronunciations of his last name. Aberg, Aubert, and now uh, there's, there's a third one. I don't know. There's, there's Aberg. Aberg. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what to call him, so I'm just going to use him by his first name, Ludwig. Ludwig, yeah, he's like Prince Ludwig. Yeah, I'm I'm more confused than ever on his last name now. Yeah, uh, Nance and those guys were calling him a, a different pronunciation uh, this past weekend, and I was I was really confused. So you got to feel like they're in a tent, being like, "All right, guys, we all need to get on the same page here." It might be wrong, but we're all going to call it the same. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's uh, uh, we need to get him. I don't know if he's on the record of of telling us, you know, how to say his name, but. Uh, Ludwig is what I'm going with. Everyone knows who you're talking about if you're if you're in the golf world. Well, let's also bring up another guy who followed up his best week with Matthew Pavon. Mm-hmm. He's right there. I think T two. Um, he's up to 26 in the world golf ranking, and he's first currently in the FedEx Cup. I mean, great follow up to your first win. You don't see guys, and obviously. It is, there is a little bit of a difference because you don't play the final round, which is where you really go in results driven. These guys all think they have another 18 hole round to play. And it's just a little bit of a different feeling on Saturday. Sure. Absolutely. But not taking anything away from the kid. He still went out there and finished, I think, T2, um, which is really, really solid. So, um, he's still playing well. Again, I think something that we touched on last week was that you can expect him to um, continuously play. Well, he finished third on his own. Um, see him continue to play well also. Yeah, and he it was his first time being there. 
and he did not play a practice round at Pebble. He played his two practice rounds at Spyglass and chose to skip Pebble. Interesting. And came out in the opening round at Pebble and shot 65 at his first time ever around the golf course. Well, I think you and I can both agree with this. Sometimes when you play a golf course for the first time, you have the potential to shoot your lowest score because you don't have the expectation. You don't really know what you're doing, and you're just kind of a little more, not necessarily methodical, but you're just like, all right, I'm I'm going to let this go. This looks like what I need to do. It's not mm-hmm. the auto. You don't have the history there. I always hit driver on the side. You're like, all right, what do we look at here? Yeah. All right, cool. These guys all hit driver. I'm going to hit driver. Um, So, you know, you know, his highest score was shot at Spyglass, which is funny. Shot yeah. Spyglass, 65 <laughs> and 66 at Pebble. My guess is he's like, I fucking like Pebble. Yeah. I don't know if he just knew his, his game was, you know, good enough for it. And he's like, and I think it's one of those things. Too. It's one of those courses where you already know all the know, shots. We also you know I mean? don't No, I, I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree with that. But we also don't know if he's ever played Pebble before. He may have played Pebble a uh, dozen or half dozen times previously. I don't think he has. Conditions. Maybe he hadn't. I don't know. Um, yeah, so I thought that was interesting. But yeah, maybe it was just like, I know what Pebble is. I've seen enough on TV. I yeah. know these shots. Yeah. I love I, I love seeing some of the practice round footage when the wind was really blowing. And you have Finau hitting driver on uh, seven or well, on seven. seven. Saw seven. a couple guys, JT and other guy, were like hitting him out over the ocean on 18, bringing him back in. Well, and I love the uh, JT sent out the thought that on Sunday is like, you know, we should have a closer to the pin contest right now on 17. Just bring <laughs> random guys out and do it. And it would have, that would have, everyone would have tuned into that. That would have been awesome. Everyone the tour would, would have not liked that with uh, safety well, risks, but the tour doesn't have the best interest of the players in mind. <laughs> uh, hey, let's talk JT. Jay's not here. I'm available. I am available. Do you know who's playing the best golf in the world right now? Well, he's top player in the world. I, I can only assume that you're talking about Justin Thomas. Strokes gained. So this goes off of I am looking at um Data Golf's website. Okay. And they they have every player ranked so far for the 2024 season on all tours. That includes DP World Tour, that includes Live, pretty much any professional golf tournament you've played in, they've they've ranked. And he is gaining 3.08 strokes around against everyone else. Louis Oosthuizen is actually second on this list. Ben Ahn, Scotty Scheffler, JT Poston, um, Thurborn Olsen, Joaquin Neiman, we'll, we'll, we'll get to in a second. But So this, this data does go back to the late fall, even though it's 2024 because the DP World Tour, like they're like the PGA Tour. They had the Dubai, race of Dubai, and then like immediately started their new season again yeah so but yeah jt uh he finishes t6 he goes bogey free for how many rounds two rounds yeah he's made we made one bogey in 54 holes i've heard that's good he's already like tripled or quadrupled his number of bogey free rounds this year compared to last year so, yeah, I'm liking what I'm seeing. I think there's a little bit of a swagger back. He's obviously hitting it much better 
Um, well, hold on. Let, let's dive into that real quick because I'm looking at some stats here. I mean, he's putting together a Scotty Scheffler type of year right this second. His strokes game total is 14th. Tee to green is first. Off the tee, 20th. Approach to the green, 7th. Around the green, 2nd. Putting, 172. Like, he's That's a better putter. Back from winning. And he's a better putter than that. Um, he really is, but it's, it's amazing looking at some of these stats. I mean, talk about a guy who's ball striking it right now. I mean, he is ball striking his ass off. Um, the fact that he is, um, top 20 and five of the six strokes game stats that are measured is absolutely incredible. And off the tee, he's 20th, but in what is it? Total driving. Total driving, he's eleventh. So that's 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 really impressive. And also, he's ninth on tour in driving distance. He is smoking that golf ball right now. Yeah, I think he finished last season like the thirty fifth, thirty sixth in, in distance. And yeah. so, yeah, he's. I don't know if he's he's trying to get more distance or he's just hitting driver more, hitting it more solid. He went to a above. longer driver in a new shaft last fall. That's true. And yep. I think he picked up some decent amount of yardage with that. So, yeah, I mean, and he, the best part is he's he's somewhat controlled with it. I mean, has driving accuracy percentage, he's 81st, but um, to give himself the ability to hit that many greens, I mean, greens and regulation percentage, he's second. 83, he's in 83% of the greens right now. Proximity to the hole, sixth. When you're hitting that many greens and your proximity is that good, you're gonna play well. You can putt, you can putt bad and still contend. Yeah, well, that's what Scotty Scheffler has shown us for two years now. That's what I'm telling you. I mean, he's having a Scheffler year right now, and it'll be interesting to see if he gets that putter rolling, which we all know these guys are able to do in a couple of weeks a year. Uh, if he's ball striking it the way he is, and he gets the putter rolling a couple of weeks a year, he's gonna hoist a couple of trophies. I mean, that's kind of what these guys are after now. It's it's they're just. They're just hoping to get hot with the putter two or three times a year, and they'll win. That's all you got to do. Legit. Yeah, just keep 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 doing what they're doing with the rest of their game, and they win when they get hot with the putter. And you know the the variance there equates to a win. Um. So, yeah, I just we had to we had to just brag on JT for a little bit. With you got to you got to love the guy. Yeah, I mean he's amazing. I'm not sure what Jay's singing. I, I, it's singing. so baffling. It's so bad. I mean, just looking at his stats and everything, it's just it's nuts when he says this stuff. I mean, the guys finished top ten in 77 out of 222 events. 51 of those are top five finishes. 13 third place finishes. Six runner ups. 15 wins. He's won more than he's finished in the runner up or uh, third place finishes, which tells you that the guy knows how to win when he's in contention. He's going to try to get it done. He gets it done. He gets it done. He's made $55.7 million in earnings. That's a I was, big number. I was at a, um, I was up in Charlottesville yesterday afternoon for a PGA board meeting. And there was another a PGA meeting finishing up right before it. And one of the guys came up to me and he, I didn't realize he had listened listen to the podcast. And he's like, Hey, what the hell is Jay's deal with Justin Thomas? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I don't know. You tell me. I was like, we can't figure him out. JT is 10th in all time earnings on the PGA tour. 
Like, I don't like that. The thing that surprised me a little bit is that Jason Day is above him. He's been doing it longer. You know, I know he's been doing it longer, but he just hasn't been as much of a dominant force as I think JT has been. I know Jay's going to love that dominant that dominant analogy. That's why I used it. Why I did it. I'll, uh, I'll give you another JT anecdote later of how I was, I was ribbing, ribbing Jay a little bit when we, uh, a little bit later in the show here, but, um, so other big news. Any, any more? Hold on, you, hold on, hold on. Before you got, we go, you got any more Pebble stuff. Pebble Beach? No, no, not. But looking at career earnings, there's something that sticks out to me. They talk about distance ruining this game. Third all time on the career money earnings list is Jim Furyk. I'm going to leave that right there. He's 54 years old. He's been doing it for a long time. Yeah. But he was one of the shortest hitters on tour the entire time. Didn't matter how short the golf horses were, what the golf ball was. He hit more hybrids into greens on the PGA Tour than anyone else of all time. I mean, the guy had nine hybrids in his bag, I think, at one time. We're we're not doing this, but it's we're no one's trying it's to get rid of I'm just saying. No one's trying to get rid of the long hitter. Let's not do this, Mike. Let's not go down there. They are. Don't don't tell me that. You can't tell me that the USGA is. That's not. That's I don't. Not I don't right. think you grasped what what their goal is. The general public is changing what the it's, goal. It just. It's just you and I. So if we get salty on this, we have to do the remainder of the podcast mad at each other. So we can choose to go down this rabbit hole if you want to. I was just saying that when you look at saying distance is ruining the game, you have Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy. They never said two. distance is ruining the game. Oh, they they absolutely did. We're going there. Fuck it. They absolutely said that. They 100% said that. That's why they're trying to get a rollback because distance is ruining the game. If distance is ruining the game, you wouldn't have Jim Furyk and number three in career earnings. You wouldn't have Matt Kuchar at number eight in career earnings. You wouldn't have Zach Johnson at number 13 in career earnings. You wouldn't have Webb Simpson at number 14 in career earnings. Are you sure? If the golf ball was going shorter, none of those rankings change. Oh, they absolutely do. No, because everyone's going shorter proportionally. Not the same thing, because all of a sudden, if you make a player play a long iron versus a mid iron into a hole, his percentage just goes down. If a guy is better at hitting a mid iron than a short iron, it's different because I can promise you the difference between one of the longer hitters hitting a wedge versus a nine or an eight iron. Yeah, but that difference is still there. No, but you're not seeing my point. If you're hitting your difference between your quality shot between a pitch and wedge, nine iron and eight, eight iron is not as big between your difference between hitting a seven iron, six iron or five iron. As you get higher up the bag. Your your proximity is much larger. I I understand that. Then we agree. No, we don't. Move on. I'm not doing. It. <laughs> I'm not doing. It. Stuart Sink, 19th in career earnings. Stuart Sink hit a mile, by the Brent way. Brent Snedeker, 23rd in career earnings. David Tom's 21 in career earnings. Famously laid up to win a major I, I, I just don't know what you're... you're Luke Donald, 26 in career earnings. I can keep going. I want you to I want you to read everything the USGA has put out. I can't read. 
Okay, maybe that's the problem. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't like the USGA. I don't. I don't. I don't. Well, that's very clear. Hey, do you know who's 34th in career earnings? By the way, uh, no, I don't. Ryan Palmer. Jesus. Slanger from West Texas. I would stop. I would stop using the career earnings list then. KJ Choi, 36 in career earnings. Oh, but I digress. Yeah, you do digress. All right. There was some large off the course uh, news that broke uh, the day after we did the podcast. SSG deal with the PGA Tour was announced. We didn't talk about this last week, did we? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, this broke after. Um, It was formally announced to the players. They are getting $3 billion investment from the SSG. Uh, 1.5, I guess, right now. The deal has closed. The players are getting equity of some sort. I'm not sure how they're going to work this out. There's still more questions than answers on yeah, all this. I've got a lot of questions there. i got a lot of questions. Um, there was something that you know the top players are going to get a larger equity share of the new PGA Tour enterprises. It should be weighted. I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's absolutely it absolutely should be weighted. There's, there's no there's no reason that Ryan Armour should be getting the same as Rory McIlroy, right? I'm, I'm good with that. Um, so what uh what do you make of it? Uh, I got some thoughts. I'll let you go first. I'm really interested to see what the breakdown is. I'm really interested to see how it progresses in the future because what I see right now, and I don't know, this is an ignorant take if I'm being honest because I just don't know enough and I don't think anyone does at this point. But they say all the players are going to get some equity and I think it if I'm not mistaken Mike was it 180 players? I think so. That was the number I saw. I want to say it was 180 players. So what does that look like for the guys that are on tour this year? Play bad and don't keep their card. Is Are they lucky because they were a part of the tour when the agreement was announced? Do players that come in next year get the same equitable stake? Is it something to where, you know, you got lucky you were on tour this year and you get all these shares and you get to bank on that for the rest of your career? Or does the player that comes in next year get the equal amount of shares in the same position that plays the exact same way, finishes the exact same spot on the FedEx Cup list? Um, and then how do you cash out those shares? Like, you know what I mean? Like uh, that That's what I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like the PGA Tour is going to have to go public. Um, I think that's the only way this this works. I don't know how you can have shares. There's, no, there's no way they go public. How do you? I don't think S- I don't think SSG is going to want them to go public. Well, it might not. But what are the? How do you? I don't know. How do I mean, you, you can, those shares? You can, I, I, mean, I don't you know. Can make, I'm not. I'm not a private companies company. that do profit sharing. So there's. Yeah, but I, get I just the profit don't, sharing aspect of it. But I just I don't I don't. I'm not. This may come as a shock. I'm not a financial guru. <laughs> Neither am I. None of us are. Comes a major shock. So, we, our listeners are more. Um, are smarter than we are oh yeah absolutely so i I don't know how this works out um my biggest question is 
are the guys that are on the tour when the deal gets made, are they going to benefit more than the guys in the future that end up performing the same way? Yeah. I, and I just don't know how all that works. It's like, yeah. So a guy's a, a, a tour member today. That doesn't mean he's a tour member a year from now. He could miss 12 cuts in a row and lose his card. And, and then like even a guy like let's just use Wyndham Clark because he's the, the hot hand right now. He's up to top 10 player in the world. What if he loses his game? And in two years from now, he's no longer a top 10 player in the world. And he's a 280th, which we've seen it happen has, before. It has happened. How, what, like, I, I just don't know. I don't know how all that works. I don't know how it's, it's broken down. There's um, so much um, variance in players and their ranking. And you make a great point. It's like, all right when the deal is announced, does he get his shares based off his ranking at that moment? Do yeah. his shares dilute as he drops down? Do they grow as he raises up? I, I, I don't know. And I feel like that's a lot of math and I'm, I'm not sure exactly how they're going to calculate it. It's almost like they just have to like, I was, I was going to say like, do they come up with some sort of percentage? Like if you're the 78th ranked guy in the world or the 78th ranked guy in the FedEx cup, you get X amount, but that doesn't, completely work either because let's use jt last year like jt was 71st in the fedex cup but he's worth way more than that because of his popularity so does that play into the part of it you know it has to the popularity does, has does to play into pip, it does the pip for a certain example does the pip cover all the popularity or do the shares also have something to do with that yeah, I, again, there's just way more questions than answers. I don't know what they're going to do. Because with with the pip, I could see the pip actually. I could see that list actually getting longer, and I'd be okay if it did. That list could get a little longer. They could pay a couple more players and say, this is the popularity contest. The shares are strictly playing base, and I would be very okay with that. I think that's a very defined way to look at it. I think that would make a lot of sense. Let's not bring popularity into the shares part of it. Let's make that straight up playing ability, playing um, performance-based um, shares. I mean, it's like, for example, BJ Singh. He never did well from a popularity or a marketing standpoint, but the guy is third all-time on the, or second all-time on the money list. Um, the guy was a great player. And he deserves to be rewarded fairly based off of that alone. And I don't think the popularity should go into the shares when we're talking the math of strictly playing ability. I think we have the PIF for a reason. The PIF is already PIP. Sorry, PIF, PIF. We have all these stupid fucking acronyms at this point. <laughs> um, the PIP should be strictly on that popularity side of things. Let's leave it there. Yeah, I don't know. But here's here's my biggest thing. What have we been talking about? Giving the players more money. Are we making the product better? Are we making the tour better? Are we doing anything for the fans? That's what I want to see. That's ultimately what I want out of all this. It was ultimately what my biggest concern was going back before live was even a thing. And we were talking about this. My concern is they're just going to feed the mouths of the players and not really make the product better. Now, I'm glad that the SSG has some other eyeballs and voices in, especially people in sports that have been very, very successful and made a lot of money. And they see how other sports 
can do some things from social media or whatever to grow the product because they're going to want their money, right? They're investing $3 billion. These guys at SSG and the Fenway Sports Group, they want to make their money. So that also makes me nervous, right? Are there cuts at the tour? Are there cuts here and there? Like, is this, you know, let's let's just improve the bottom line so they can get their $3 billion back plus some and get a return on their investment. I don't know. The other thing that makes me nervous is I'm not sure a deal with Liv is going to happen. So yeah, it sounds like, and I can't believe I'm saying that because I everyone knows I hate Liv. I, I hate the Saudis. I hate all that. But ultimately, I want all the best players playing together again. And that's what I've always wanted. And I've been clear on that from the get-go. The only way, unfortunately, now to have that happen is you have to merge with these guys. But by the sounds of it, it sounds like they're not that close. And because they're worried about DOJ approval, that this thing could be a long ways away from getting closed with the PIF. And then you hear Spieth's comments. And I can't remember if it was Adam Scott or Webb Simpson, another board member, had kind of similar comments to the extent of, and I'm obviously paraphrasing here, like, yeah, I don't, I mean, we have all this money now. I don't really know if we quite need the PIF as much as we did before. And I'm just like, I hear that and I'm like, uh oh, maybe this isn't going to come back together. And maybe we are on a, uh, you know, they're just going to run parallel paths to each other and never come back together. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think the SSG partnership has softened the need for the PIF investment. Um, so it's inter- interesting to see. I want to say it was Ricky Fowler or Jordan Spe. Oh, it was Jordan Spieth come out and say, I don't know if we need the PIF investment. But Rory kind of go on the other side of it. Rory, Rory was pro-PIF investment. And it's just very unique to see Rory take this stance. We've talked a little bit about him taking the opposite side of things from what he's historically been so vocal being against something. Uh, and now all of a sudden saying, all right, you know, I'm, I'm good with all of this. Let's bring them back. Rory said, you know, he'd, he'd let the tour players come right back on tour without any sort of penalty. And Spieth was like, I, I don't, I, I think they need a way back. I think Fowler echoed that tone to say that these guys. And J- JT did back. today. Yeah. So that's, what's very unique. Um, seeing Rory take this sort of opposite stance and he's kind of been like, I'm not really taking an opposite stance. I'm just becoming more enlightened. It's like, yeah, but it sounds very rehearsed comparatively with how you were 12 months ago versus where you are right now. It sounds very much like you're being told to say these things. And now all of a sudden you're being met with some opposition from some other top talent that it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting. I'd love to hear what's happening behind the walls. Well, so, I, my take on the Rory thing is it's, and I and I use this term before. It's a reluctance acceptance, acceptance, and that's kind of where I'm at. You know, I've been a staunch hater of of Live and the Piff and all this, um, as as far back as we it, it, when it came about. But I do think, it, and I'm in in Rory's camp, fifty percent, where I think you have to get the Piff involved now because ultimately, for me, I want to see him all of these players playing together. And the only way that happens is if you get the PIF involved. And so I, I think Rory understands that. Rory gets that. I think he gets the 
the fans' point of view a little bit more than maybe some of these other guys. Now, I do agree with Spieth to the extent of uh, these. you're going to piss off a lot of PGA Tour players if you just let these live guys come back without any punishment. You're going to really piss off some guys. And Ricky Fowler came out and said, no, I don't agree with Rory. Um, JT, again, backed Spieth and, and Rory today. I mean, Spieth and um, Ricky today and said, you know, these guys going to have to be punished a little bit. So, you know, these top guys, you know, the, the whole thing is, if you saw that the note that Rory, there's some, you know, quote unquote, top player text train that Rory removed himself from. Yeah. And then him and Spieth had an hour long phone conversation hashing out some things. So it's interesting, though, because Spieth took Rory's spot on the board. Rory's no longer on the board. He's yes, Correct. he he wields power and and you know can obviously give his opinion, and it's going to matter a lot more than most. But he's not a decision making player anymore. Speeds now in that role. So that's right. my other concern with all this is like I don't trust any of these guys to get it done because I'm not sure I, any of these guys are ever going to get on the same page. No if one's top, ever going to be the on the same. Top players page. can't get on the same page. How are they? How are the top players then going to convince the rank and file, you know, the mules that everyone's been joking about to get on the same page? I, I just don't. I, I I don't know. I think that's I think that's standard in any major sport, though. I don't think you have all the top players on the same page of what should happen in any major sport. So I don't necessarily view that as a. No, but at least those are collectively bargained sports. Fair, where, there's a, fair. where there's an actual union. Fair. There is a union in place, and I, I do agree with that, but I don't think that everyone feels the exact same way. They they vote on a majority, and I, I give that what it is. Um, we are in that situation, but I, just, I don't think that everyone's going to be on the same page. There's going to be guys pissed off. There's, there's going to be guys that like it regardless. Um, the guys that I think will be more pissed off are the guys that are went from – you know, 50th to 30th in the rankings all of a sudden, now they're more competitive every week. And then all of a sudden they get all these top players back on the PGA tour. And they're like, wait a second, I didn't have to beat these guys last week. Now I got to beat these guys. And I, I'm, that's almost a little bit of an ignorant viewpoint because the guys out there feel like they're the best in the world. But when you look at the math of things, if you put Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, uh, Cam Smith, John Rom, um, and I could, the list could go on of some of the top players that live has, it makes it a much more competitive environment for them to be able to, you know, live their lifestyle because the fact of the matter is that the, the money has gone up on the PGA tour with less competition. So all of a sudden yep. now you have guys that are, um, not top players on tour, like a Wyndham Clark, for example, he's been one of the best beneficiaries of this. This is not taking mm -hmm. anything away from what Linda Wyndham Clark has done, not taking anything away. So I, I don't want this to be viewed as something that says that Wyndham would not have done what he's done because other players come there. He's played it's easier to do what he's done with, with all those other guys there. I don't think anyone can ignore that. That's a statistic that exists. He may have still um, done it, but it was that's, that's exactly right. And, and not taking anything. He's an incredible player. I'm a big fan of Wyndham Clark. I like him a lot. Um, so I'm just using him as as a person who has rose very quickly during this time point. Now he's sixth in the official world golf ranking. What does that look like with Cam Smith, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, John Rahm, and some of the other players in that environment? We don't know. We we don't know, and I'm not gonna 
I'm not going to even to try to clarify what I think that would look like. I'm just saying that we both will all agree that he was able to progress very quickly and very successfully in a world without these players. So what does that look like? I I don't I don't know. Yeah, it's just this again, I, I think this is unfortunately going to go on for another year or two before it's all settled and we know what the future of professional golf looks like. I, I, I just it, it sounds like, like the PIF deal is anywhere close. No. And so that means probably earliest case scenario you're going to get everyone back together is 2026. That's how I'm looking at it. Earliest, best case yeah. scenario. Best I was initially thinking, oh, we'll get everyone back together 2025. But I, I think now we're already, you know, it doesn't sound like it's close. They said it could get take a year to get through the DOJ. That's once they agree to terms and get everything squared away. So... Well, and I've always it takes said time that, to build a build a schedule and a calendar and like. Well, and I've I've always said that these guys come back with the status that they have at that point. I'm not of the standpoint to where some of these lesser known players get automatic PGA Tour members. Oh no, no chance. I don't agree with that at all. But I like Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, John Rahm, and Cam Smith should come back on the previous winner status that they have. And I'm fine with that because that is something that they already earned for a player like. But then a guy like, what about a guy like Paul Casey, right? He's one on tour, but like the guy's 40, whatever years old. If he's he on the backside of his career, he probably couldn't keep a card right now if he was on tour. And I'm, and I'm fine with that. But what I will say is I'm not going to take something away from a guy that he's already earned. So if Pat or if Paul Casey is able to come back and play off of his past winner status and generate a card off of that i'm good with it he's able to get sponsored exemptions i'm good with it because that's what every other player would have to go through if they had not played let's say live did not exist and they had not played for the amount of time that they joined live to the time when the agreement is met you have 15 wins on tour or for dustin johnson what 20 whatever wins on tour if he's able to generate starts based off of that previous status, I am okay with that because that is something that he previously earned. A guy yeah, like Adrian, Adrian Moronk, whatever status he has, I'm good with it. He'll get some sponsors exemptions. I don't think he never won on tour. He won on the DP World Tour, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm okay with that. What about a guy like, and I, and I forgot he existed, Cameron Tringali. Whatever never his, won on, never won on tour. Whatever is, yeah, he's the highest money winner for no wins on tour, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, whatever he gets for a lifetime money list, I'm good with that. It has nothing to do with other than the way I look at it is that you view this as if they have not played at all, which they have not on the PGA Tour during that time, and it, the Lib Tour almost did not exist, and that's the events that you get in. And you have to earn your status from there. If, the, if it means some of these guys going to Q school, it means them going to Q school. They may show up in a Rolls Royce, but it means them going to Q school. Yeah. So I'm trying to, in this, I'm trying to pull up the, it's probably a bad time to be doing this. But like basically the priority ranking, right? So for the listeners who don't know, 
not everyone gets a torque card is treated equal. You're in a category in a priority ranking system and it gets reordered and reshuffled throughout the year as well. And so when you're a rookie, you're just not going to get into some events. There's only, you know, 144, 156, whatever the, the field might be. And yeah, there's going to be some past winners. There's going to be some career money list exemptions. And there's a certain number of spots for a certain number of categories. It's basically how it works. And so like career money exemption is number 11 on the ranking, priority ranking system. So they're going to get into some spots um, that, you know, major medical exemptions. There's trying to find the career money list. Well, the tough part is I'm looking at it right now. They removed all of the live players. Well, so there's two lists. They they keep two lists. Um, I'm trying to find the one that includes the live players. So that if you've if you removed your here we go. So Dustin Johnson's fourth in all time earnings. Yeah. So if if you're no Bill longer Nicholson's a member, second in all time earnings. Yeah. So they removed some of these guys from the list, which doesn't make it accurate. John Rom, 14th. So the way I look at it is like these guys have earned their spot. I don't think you can take that away from them. I don't care if they left. You have to play on career money list, past winner status on the PGA Tour. I am 100% fine with that. So you get into whatever events you can get into. If it's get into whatever you, events, you have. You, an, you have an events. opportunity to earn your card through those events and sponsors exemptions, just like any other player that was coming on to the PJ tour. I am fine with that. I have no issues with that whatsoever. And I think a lot of these guys will be able to earn their card throughout that. Um, but I don't feel like, you know, who's a player that had status that left, but was an early player. Um, is Adrian Moronk a good example? Yeah, I mean, so Moronk was a DP World Tour member who just got his PGA Tour card because he was top 10 on DP World Tour. That's right. He never actually played any events on the PGA Tour, but he was given a 2024 card. He's got to go back and earn it, and that may mean Q school. I'm good with that. If you don't have that history on the PGA Tour, you don't get that benefit. Yeah, I'm trying to scroll this. this, I forgot some of these guys existed. When I was, we'll get to the actual event, the live event here in a second. Like Carlos Ortiz, did he win on tour? Yeah, uh, he won early in his career on tour. No, Mito Pereira, he never won, came close. All time breakdown. Yeah. But yeah, whatever your status was when you left, minus having a card, whatever your accomplishments were, I'm okay with them grandfathering that. Then you get on, on, you get in on this. I think that's how it has to be done. That's the fairest way to do it. You can't take Dustin Johnson's $75 million in earnings away from him. I'm sorry. The guy did it. He played well. He won uh, over 20 times on the PGA Tour. Um, You have to acknowledge that. He earned his spot in those events. I don't care if he left. We don't need to send him back to Q school. We need to allow him to benefit. And at the same time, for a guy like Dustin Johnson, a guy like John Rahm, the tour benefits from them being in the event. Oh, yeah. The sponsors will want them. The TV will want them. 
Exactly. The viewers will want them. That's the biggest thing that we've talked about, Mike, which we said, how does this change it for the viewer? How does it make it better for the viewer? We haven't seen that yet. We haven't seen that. What makes it better for the golf fan? Mm-mm. Um, and that's something that needs to be seen. All right, let's let's chat uh, before we get into our picks. Did you watch any live golf this weekend? First event of the year, Mayakoba. Very little. I watched very little golf this past weekend as a whole. I kept up with it, but I didn't like. I, I kept up with it on my phone, but I didn't watch it. Um, John so, Rahm is feeling pretty good. Caleb Surratt's feeling real good about his choices right now. So I watched more live than I ever have in my life, mainly just on Sunday. Okay. Um, TV was probably on live for th- at least three consecutive hours because Pebble wasn't on. Because Pebble wasn't on. Nothing else on. There's no football, right? This was a prime spot for live to succeed. No football. No Pebble gets rained out. There's really and not pi- much else. And Pickleball got, had more viewers on ESPN. And Pickleball had more viewers. And so, I mean, I have almost no interest. Most of the uh, the live events that I've tuned into over the last two seasons have been on Sundays. Just, I get no interest on Friday, Saturday. You're just not yep. going to catch me watching live golf on a Friday or Saturday when it doesn't matter yet. Yeah. And so I turned it on and I watched it for a good bit. And my takeaways are not too dissimilar from past watching it. Um, the broadcast is tough, mainly because I think the announcers are all awful and it's just a propaganda machine. Now, the commercial load is better. They show more golf shots. They they also show way more stupid canned, like produced segments of like, oh, he, let's talk to Cam Smith when he's riding his bike to the course from the resort today and like we're riding in the car with John Rahm and his team. I and mean, they do a lot of that stuff and they, they show the Arlo white, Jerry Fultz and Dave, uh, David Faraday in the booth way more than like CBS shows. You never see Nance or Immelman. You just hear them, but they cut to the booth like three times. So I'm like, I don't really care about, I've, I'm watch, I want to watch golf. I don't want to watch these propaganda segments that you guys pre-recorded earlier in the week. And I don't want to see you guys in the booth. Just show me golf. They do show a lot of golf because there's less commercials, but, the I I like some of the data and the stats they give on their graphics. I, I don't like how the graphics visually look, but some of the information they give, I think, is is great. Um, the music playing in the background annoys the hell out of me. I think it annoys the hell out of John Rom, <laughs> but he can't yep. say it. Um, think. And it's well, that's a big. I also just don't know. Thank you. What I'm watching because there's no context to it. There's no juice. There's no buzz. Um, There's not many fans there. Now, granted, it it is Mexico. The the regular event that was in Mayakoba and the BJ tour didn't get a ton of fans, but had more than this. So a long way of saying not much has changed. It, you know, they had a good leaderboard when you have John Rahm, Sergio Garcia, Joaquin Neiman up there. I just, I don't know. It sucks to watch John Rahm. I still think the team thing is dumb. The jerseys are dumb. The logos are dumb. Team the jerseys dumb. I don't I don't like. Yeah, I, I don't like the team jerseys. I agree with that. And it just, it's just not different enough. Like, it's still just 
individual golf at the end of the day. Yeah, there's teams, but if you caught the interview with John Rom, so John Rom bogeys the last two holes. He was tied for the lead, bogeys the last two holes, misses the playoff. Joaquin Neiman beats Sergio in the playoff. They interview Rom off of 18th green, and he is fucking pissed. However, his team just won. And he is livid. And he, you could see his PR hat clicked on and he turned it, he kind of changed his tune and started to be happy and talk about the success of the team and this and that. But it's an individual tour. These guys care more about the individual. He was fucking livid. He, well, hold on. Strangled this guy or hold on. I don't, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but you also got to take it from the standpoint of, this was Rom's first time in this format, and he has always been this way. He's a fiery guy. We know he is, and he's always been concerned on the only individual aspect of it, and it probably didn't hit him that he had just won a million dollars because of the team win. So I agree with you 100%, um, but I also think being in his first week, he's not used to giving an interview after giving away a golf tournament. He probably didn't even realize he had won the team competition at that point. It was one of those things where it was like, Maybe. oh, oh yeah, we, we did just win. I just won a million dollars. Shit. You know, and on top of what he earned individually. So I love the fact that he's that competitive. And you guys know me. I'm not the biggest John Rom fan. I was early on. I lost it a little bit, but at the, on the backside of that. I think it's something where he was there first time having to comment on this. He's always used to giving PGA tour interviews. Um, he's a very fiery personality. He's a competitor. He's someone that wants to win, but then the reluctance, it's like it hit him halfway through. He's like, shit, we did win. My team won in its first week. Okay. This isn't that bad. You know, it's like, it's one of those things that I think that he, and I agree with you. It's like, it hit him halfway through the interview um regardless yeah it, it's it's unique it's it him having a team added and everything i mean there's a lot there's yeah. a lot to unpack now they have they have a couple individuals playing this year i'm um, okay with that too i like you know that. so they're, they're just kind of still kind of building the plane as they're flying it you know I, the weird thing about the broadcast was so they did not have a walking reporter with Sergio, but they had two walking reporters in the final group with Rom and Neiman. And then they added Greg Norman as a walking reporter in the final group. I'm like, what, what, why do we have three on course reporters in one group? Why can't Sergio, why don't we have an on course reporter with Sergio who's tied for the lead? Like what, what's going on? I don't agree here? with that, but I do Greg Nor- love Greg Norman being an on course reporter. Take that for what it is, but I just, I, I love it. You know, I have a guy with his history and everything being an on-course reporter. I think is fantastic. Well, yeah. Then on the, th- on the 13th hole, he said that Joaquin Neiman won the event because he drove it in the fairway. He's like, yeah, I think he just won the event with that drive. I didn't hear everything. Like I said, I didn't watch so, a lot. Of it. I didn't, I didn't hear. Yeah. A um, and so, yeah, so to, to get back to, I was fascinated to see the TV ratings and you had mentioned them. Yeah, they weren't uh, good. They were not good. But now, it's, because, they, it's because it's where it's being hosted. If you put that on ESPN, you put that on NBC, you're going to get better. Most people don't know where the CW is on there. Like, can you tell me the channel of CW on your, um, on your cable right now? 
Well, so I, I have YouTube TV, so there's no channel number. I do too. I do too, but I don't know where to find it. I'd have to scroll for a while. I'd have to yeah. search for it. Like it's not something where I'm hitting a live button and I'm finding it within my first couple of clicks. Yeah. It's just not it's, there. Uh, I'm not used to looking for it. But you t- if you're a YouTube TV subscriber and you watch a lot of golf like I do, it gets recommended for you right at the top. So I, know, and I, I will say I love YouTube TV. Let me get simulcast with because you know they do the the multi view. Let me go ahead and get multi view with uh, that's the only my only gripe with YouTube TV is I can't select my multi view. If I could go on there and select, and I'd have PGA Tour, I'd have Live Going, I'd have some college basketball, and and earlier in the year a college football, uh, game as yeah. well or NFL game on Sunday, buddy. I'd be what um, one. I don't know if I told this story on this podcast before, but in my room here, I get two TVs and the simulcast, they had two different simulcasts you could choose from with four boxes. So I put them both on. So I technically had eight basketball games on in front of me. It's so good. It's and so Lindy, good. Lindy walked in. She goes, what are you doing? I'm like, I think I'm getting ADHD. I think that's what I'm doing. <laughs> See, it's good for people like me that start with ADHD. <laughs> like, I don't need to. I can't look at one game too long. <laughs> Um, so yeah, they got like 450,000 viewers, um, which is way more than they've gotten in the past, but a pickleball event did more and the rebroadcast of Pebble Beach from Saturday, they replayed it on Sunday, did triple the viewers. But do you agree with me that if this was on ESPN or NBC, it would have a much larger audience? Probably, yeah. Because well, people, it would have a large constantly audience. look at people constantly look at NBC and ESPN on the regular anyways to see what's on those those uh channels. If it's on those channels, they're gonna get a much wider viewership. And I truly believe that. If it was on ESPN, I bet it would have beat out pickleball on ESPN. Because I would think that there are more people that are gonna end up watching golf versus pickleball and again pickleball being one of the fastest growing sport if not the fastest growing sport in the country currently i think you would have more people that tune into that because they look at those channels they're they're conditioned to looking at what's on espn i want to watch sports what's on espn right now that's where they go first i think with any anyone that says i sit down in front of my tv i'm gonna watch some sports what's the first channel you go to ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN Plus, ESPN the Ocho. That's what happens. Put it on the fucking Ocho. I don't care. I just think that if it's under an ESPN broadcast name, it's going to garner a higher viewership. And I think it's unfair. Yeah. It's on the CW to give it a fair shake versus other events that are on major networks. Yeah, but none of these broadcast partners want to have it or they're already. Don't disagree partner with the pga tour so they're not going to do that so that's where the challenge lies don't Um, disagree but it's also not a fair shake for live i'll say that it's not a fair shake for live yeah when you just talk about pure viewership but that that's all i say about that forget the deals and everything on the back side of that when you look at the viewership i think if it's on a major network it's going to generate a much higher number if it's on a a um so the the other topic that came out of this, you know, everyone was talking about Joaquin Neiman. He should be in the majors. He should be in the majors. And they asked him after the win, you know, oh, I got to get in the majors first. Well, again, it's, it's kind of a propaganda machine when you 
when you watch live, which is kind of what annoys me. You're better off just watching it on mute. <laughs> and well, he he, he kind of lied because he's in the British Open. He won the Australian Open back in December, which exempts him into the British Open. So he's in the Open Championship this year. Right. He has a chance. It it might be slim. He's still in the top 100 in the world. He's like 70th or 72 right now. It was 62, I think, you dropped down to. The top 100 get into the PGA in May. So if he's still within the top 100 in the world in May, now he's going to have to maybe play in an event or two, maybe go over and play in an Asia event or find something with World Golf ranking points to stay in there, and he'll get into another major. And he can also qualify for the U.S. Open, just go to sexual qualifying if you're that good and, and get in. So all this stuff is kind of like, well, sorry, I don't really feel that bad for you. You know, we've talked about it before. You, you join the tour that did not get world ranking points and did not meet like any of the qualifications. But it came out today, speaking of Carlos Ortiz, he did an interview with Colt Nose in his podcast. Um, and these guys were told by live officials that they were going to get world ranking points. So they were all under the assumption that it was going to happen. Yep. It's almost like you could have a lawsuit if you're some of these players. Like, wait a minute, you sold me this bill of goods and now I can't play in these majors. I think that's probably why a lot of them jumped. Like, wait, you're going to pay me this much money and I can still get world ranking points and play in the majors? Well, yeah, I'll go do it. But now they can't. I mean, either they were lied to or misled or... I think they were misled. I think it was probably Greg Norman being like, we're going to make this happen. You're going to get world ranking points. Like, you're, we're going to make this happen. You're going to get it. It didn't pan out that way. But the amount of money that they're paying them offsets that, the way I look at it. Yeah, to an extent. Um, you know, you got Wyndham Clark that said he chose, you know, he chose legacy over money because he was, Wyndham Clark was, Terrell Hatton basically took Wyndham Clark's spot. Wyndham Clark was in negotiations to be on John Rahm's team, and that was reported, rumored a few weeks ago. Yeah, and he's you know he kind of came out and said, "Yeah, I talked to him. I had discussions, but I decided this was best for me." And he said, "I want to play the majors and you know win these PJ Tour events that have way more history." And he said, "I chose legacy over money." And so, you know, I I, I don't know. Now, let, let's John- hold on. Let's let's unpack that real quick though. Had he not won the U.S. Open, had he not won Wells Fargo, had he not played in the Ryder Cup, does he still have the attraction from Liv? Would they still offer him the same amount of money? On the backside of that, is he now more financially secure to where he doesn't feel like he has to take it? There's just it, it's, yeah. it, there's oh, sure. more to unpack than just to say, yes or no, I would have taken it. Because his valuation wasn't as high before he did that. He all... No, but he also could have easily said, hey, like a couple of the other guys, I'm going to go because I just won a major, so I'm in all of them for five years. Also true. Also very true. There's, there's, there's multiple ways to look at it, and we're, none of us are in the back room. Well, none of us. It's you and I today. today. Um, but, you know, we're not in the back room to understand what some of these this looks like. But I also feel like when guys come out and say, oh, I choose legacy over live, like I'll, I think that's a bunch of bullshit. I think that's just taking a standpoint to take a standpoint this is what i need to say to keep myself in the spotlight um to make it look good for the viewership and the pga tour i just take a lot of that as somewhat bullshit you had a deal 
you didn't like it as much as where you are currently. You're playing very well. You have an opportunity to to make a lot of money where you are currently. You probably also have a big time endorsement deal that influenced some of that because some of the companies aren't re-upping at live the way they are with the PGA tour. That yeah, also a lot of them are just kind of letting, letting the contracts let the contracts end. just kind of, um, so there, there's more there than just what we hear, which is obviously expected, but it's, I've learned more about that recently as well, but regardless, um, that'll be a conversation for you and I offline. Sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, like Rom came out, I just got texted. Um, Rom has some comments today. He, he was, he's emotional about missing all these PGA tour meet, uh, PGA tour events and not playing Phoenix this week. And, um, not playing farmers too. I was like, ah, shut up, John. Like nobody wants to hear it. Cry me a river, dude. Who cares if you're emotional? You chose this. You okay. You made your bed now laying it. You can't have your cake and eat it too, which is what these guys want to do. And that, that's what kind of is annoying me uh, about these guys. But is that also a prepared statement from Liv trying to generate the interest in having these guys play on the PJ Tour game? Like that's where I just. I, no, don't that was, I mean, yeah. I don't believe any of this shit right now. Um, I don't believe. I mean, the Liv guys are definitely getting coached on what to say. I mean, it's. And I think Rory is too. I truly do. This guy's made a damn near 180. Um, and I love Rory. Big fan of his. Love what he does. But I just, I, I look at this stuff and it's just like, I just feel like these guys are being coached in a lot of scenarios to where, hey, this benefits the brand. Take this viewpoint. And I think it's on both sides. I'm not taking one side. I'm not knocking John Rahm. I'm not knocking Rory McIlroy. I'm not knocking anyone. I just feel like this is one of those situations to where I'm taking a lot of stuff with a grain of salt. Where is this coming from? Where is this derived from? What is their initiative? Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, now I think I, I would buy that a little bit more if it wasn't Rom and Rory you're talking about, because those are two of the more outspoken individuals, thoughtful interviews that they give on, on tour. Those guys that, you know, um, if it was a couple of guys that don't really give a shit that much saying all this stuff, you know, then I, I could I could buy that a little bit more. But I don't know if Rom or Rory are the two guys that are going to end up getting coached from their sides. That like, hey, you're going to have to say this. Um, but who knows? I could be wrong. You could be right. But I don't and I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I have a perception that I personally feel like it's like, all right, I, the whole thing, the, the biggest thing is this, it's, it's very much political at this point. Oh, very a hard time trusting either side. And it has nothing to do with the players. I love all the players. I think Rory is one of the best players in the world. I'm a huge fan of Rory. Um, love what he does for the game. Um, John Rom. I'm not a huge fan of John Rom, but I love what he does for the game. I think he's an incredible player. I think he is a, a extremely talented individual. Um, it's just it's it's tough looking at anything right now without having a little bit of speculation of where it's derived from. Sure. All right. Yeah, it's the whole thing sucks. <laughs> Simple as that. I think I think sucks. we're I think we're in the eye of the storm right now, though. I think we're in the eye of the storm. There's going to be the backside of it, and then we're going to have a, an outcome that could be 
better or it could leave a ton of damage. Maybe it's light flooding. Maybe it's massive destruction. We don't know yet. So, I don't know. We'll see. But, all right, let's... No good. Yeah, you're over there just chowing down. You're making me hungry. I'm so happy right now. My favorite meal that my wife makes, and it's so fantastic. <laughs> really is. She brought it in the middle of the last segment, and I just... I'm sitting here smelling it and looking at it. Soft-boiled eggs. Like, it is... Oh, man. Oh, it's... It's primo. <laughs> All right, let's get into our our picks here. We do have the Peoples open this week. Was Jay oh. getting in? Jay's in. Jay's in. I sent him the link, so he's in the WM Phoenix open. I'm uh, I'm in a bad place. I'm struggling here in our league. I'm in last by a, a good bit. Am I, I in second? To, you're in second, just barely behind Jay. Uh, Jay has 16 points. You have 14 points. I have six points. I love it. Not good. So right, I, need well, to, I need to get some focused picks here. As winner of last week, I will go ahead and proceed, sir. Um, starting from the top, the top five players in the world, Mr. Justin Thomas. At 10,000, number one of the power rankings. He overtook Scotty Scheffler for number one of the power rankings, which is a tough thing to do. Scotty's incredible. Um, moving down from there, Eric Cole, 8,500. The guy's like the gnat. He just won't go away. Um, I think he's in it, 8,500 bucks. Moving down from there, Hideki Matsuyama. Um, I think his game is extremely fantastic for this golf course. Um, all but one of my picks is in the power rankings, just to be clear. Um, from there, I have Emiliano Grio, guy who's been trending. Uh, Mr. Christian Bazudenhout, I have him at 7,400. And then my only pick outside of the power rankings, which I saved this for dead last, but it should have been in the power rankings. I'm, I'm not sure why it's not. Bo Hostler, eight of eight cuts made, three top tens this season already. He's trending in the right direction. Um, I him eight thousand. I just I like this squad. Good squad. Okay. All right. Uh, we have two overlaps. Um. Whoops. Go to my team here. So I'll start at the bottom. And this is this is a nickname that I heard was great, and I'm gonna give the the fellows at No Laying Up. I'm taking the uh, fellows at No Laying Up credit here on this on this nickname, but I'm taking the Soldier Boy, Kevin Yu. He's been playing great um, the last few weeks. He's only seventy three hundred dollars. I just I just like where his game's at, and I like the deal I got on him. So, Soldier Boy Kevin Yu at seventy three hundred dollars. Good value. Then to talk about a value pick, a top ten player in the world is valued at seventy eight hundred dollars in DraftKings. And a course where you have to drive it well, give me Mister Brian Harmon at seventy eight hundred dollars. Yeah, that's a good pick. I like that. 
I was I saw that. I'm like, this can't be. This has got to be like a typo or a fuck up. I don't know if I'm waiting for them to like change this. Like, yeah, I like that. Great pick. Great pick. I was I was shocked when I saw that. Oh, sorry, I skipped over one guy. Uh, another guy that I think can play really well here is Game Fits It. Uh, is he on the power rankings? Uh, let me see here. No, he's not. I thought he might be. I tell you, uh, I got him memorized. Seventy six hundred dollars, Denny McCarthy. Think his game fits as well. He drives it straight, and uh, yeah, been playing not not balls to the wall, but I think he's gonna have a breakout breakout week. He's had a lot of kind of all of his finishes been in the, in the you know t twenty six t twenty four that area. Um, so I like him. Then I'm gonna go up to Hideki, who you have yep. as well. Yep. Uh, past winner, starting to kind of. I think he's a little healthier now. His game's kind of starting to round into form it's, a little he, bit. We're starting to see signs of resurgence from him. Yeah, I think we're going to start to see a, a, a much better Hideki Matsuyama for we were used to seeing him. Um, so I like him this week. And then I go up to Mr. Justin Thomas. The oh, sorry. I skipped one. JT Poston. JT Poston. Another, I, like I think I think he's got a top five in him this week. Uh, I like that he, pick. He's been playing his ass off. If you look at the data golf rankings, they have him as like 12th in the world on the data golf rankings. And so I think he's primed. Um, he's probably not far away from that in the actual rankings. He's been playing. He's probably not. And then I go up 10,000 uh, JT, Justin Thomas. He's going to win this week. He will win. He's playing great. He has tremendous track record at this venue he's feeling confident i just i might put a lot of money on him to win this week um so jay jay and i i kind of teased this earlier jay and i are in a a, a pick em league together we actually it's a it's a pretty large entry fee for this league and so we bought a team together and we were texting he's like hey have you looked at who you like this week we have to pick five guys each week and I said, I haven't really looked that much, but JT is going to win. You know, just had to throw that in there. Love that. Love that. So then this morning we were texting and he's like, who do you like? And I was like, I like JT. And I listed out some other names. And I put, then I put Justin Thomas on the list and I wrote some other couple of names. And I put Speed's friend, top 10 player in the world, Justin Thomas. And he's like, did you just fucking put JT in that list three times? I'm like, yeah, he's going to win. We need to pick him. And if you don't put him on our squad this week, we're going to be losing points to people because JT will win. I've never been so sure of anything in my life. So I just pulled up the OWGR. Do you know that Ludwig is now 11th in the world? Yep. In what? Seven months? Incredible. That's in as a professional. That is incredible. Um, JT Poston's a little lower than we thought. He's 37th currently. Okay. Um, but still, Ludwig at 11. That is incredible. It really is incredible. Yeah. So, Data Golf, they do their own rankings and they use all the data they can find on every tour. Yeah. So, they even have live guys on here, DP World Tour guys. They use all their own uh, rankings. Yeah. And they have JT Poston at 12th. Where's DJ? DJ's way down the board. Yeah, um, figured as much. He's like 51st. Okay. Where's Justin Thomas on? Oh, sorry. Just, uh, he's he's up. He's 43rd. 
Justin you know, Thomas said was number one. Justin Thomas is actually uh, right behind JT Post, and he's 13th currently. Okay. On their rankings. Interesting. So, I think I got Eric Cole, 16th. They have Joaquin Neiman, 20th. I about a live guy. Kind of yeah. curious where they're at. You know, um, I just passed DeShambo. They have him at 32nd. Yeah. Where's Cam Smith? Cam Smith is at 40, 41st. Really? Yep. And he's still um, 35th in the official world goal. He hasn't played well on live. I think that's probably why. Yeah, fair enough. He's been fishing and, and cashing checks. <laughs> you know, he missed a cut in the Australian PJ Championship when he went back to the homeland. Yeah. So. But anyways, so that's our picks. Uh, fun week, Super Bowl week. Uh, it, it does suck that I was looking the waste management had a good field and then both Xander and Hovland WD'd. We didn't talk Hovland. He's not looking so hot right now. No, he I, I picked him last week and I was expecting way more. And that was pretty much the reason he gave for skipping this week. He said he just wanted to get some more practice and work in to get ready for Genesis in, in LA uh, next week. And so he was going to just take this week off. And uh, I don't think he was very pleased with how how it went at Pebble. And uh, I know Xander then said, I think he's got a wrist thing that he's kind of nursing. Uh, these guys got a lot of golf with, you know, if they're going to try to play in some non-signature events and the Masters coming up. So I think he just decided, hey, I'll skip this week and play Genesis next week, which we might see Tiger Woods at, but we can talk about that next week. I'd love to see that. Yeah, I would love to see that. So, all right. You got anything else? I just love being here with you, buddy. That's it. It's always a pleasure. Pleasure is all mine, sir. Go read. Go read the USGA distance report. Why would anyone do that? That's <laughs> propaganda at best. <laughs> Legit propaganda. That's fake news. All righty. We'll uh, we'll have Jay back next week. The three of us will be here. And uh, thanks for tuning in as always. Appreciate it. Gents, my pleasure. Cheers.